Conan O'Brien needs a fan. Want to talk to Conan? Visit teamcoco.com slash call Conan. Okay, let's get started. Hey there, Taylor. Meet Conan and Sona. Hey, how's it going, guys? Sona, you look lovely. Conan, you look all right. Ah! Matt, you're, you look good, too. You know, this is a Conan O'Brien needs a fan. I'm reaching out to the community, humanity, and the world, and uh, immediately... Uh, feces is landing on me. Yeah, it's incredible, <laughs> absolutely incredible. Uh, Taylor, I'll look past that. Um, I and, won't. Oh, you won't. I really enjoyed it. I, yeah, I appreciate. It it. I really like Taylor. It was a sweet burn, uh, yeah. Taylor. Um, Taylor, you you are backed up. We're watching you right now. You're backed up against a bare wall. It looks like you're about yep. to be executed. Uh, with a yeah, firing squad. my last words. Yeah, they said, "Do you want one more phone call?" And I said, "No, just put me on with Conan, and that, yeah. that'll be it. Yeah. That'll be the wall. Yeah. That is one." last phone call. <laughs> Does that not count as a last phone call? No, I don't want to talk to anybody. Get Conan on the phone. <laughs> that's that's also an insult. Yeah. Would you like to speak to someone meaningful? No, get Conan. Um, I want to talk to somebody that'll make me feel good about dying. Yeah. <laughs> Someone who'll make me cherish the sweet beyond. Uh, Taylor, where are you coming to us from? I am coming to you guys from Salt Lake City, Utah. Oh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay. Um, and and tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? Well, I am a 911 operator. Uh, I've Whoa. been an operator dispatcher oh my for God. about two years now. Really? Did we call you? <laughs> Help. Yeah, Help. Oh yeah. Yeah. It just occurred to me right now that someone may have We're, called 911 and I mistakenly thought it was a fan. Oh. So someone here in my building is having oh. a heart attack. No, it was me. Yeah. I just want out. You want out. And I thought, oh, good. Another fan. Hey, how's it going? Um, wow. That's very cool that you're a 9 I have a million questions for you if you're a 911 operator. Okay. Shoot. All right. Well, I'm just curious. First of all, um, what kind of train do you train for that? How do you become a 911 operator? Yeah, so it's actually surprisingly entry level. Um, I just walked in because I, at a, I'm chubby now, but there was a time when I was a little more fit and I wanted to maybe be a firefighter. And my dad said, I don't think you'd be a good firefighter because. Uh, you're not very good in high pressure situations. And I said, screw you, dad. I'm going to go for the most high pressure job that I can think of. Now. <laughs> so I walked into the 911 county office and I said, are you guys hiring? And they said, yeah. And uh, you just have to take this test before you come in to see if you're, you know, if you can handle it. And then there's three months of boot camp in that office and for to teach you basically everything you need to know. And if you pass all that, then you're good to go. They they train you a little more with shadowing a person. And then once you're cleared off on that, then you're on your own. So I was probably in training for about four or five months. Wow. Uh, first of all, there's, there's a lot to unpack here, as my wife would say. Your father, your father told you, no, you're, you shouldn't be a fireman because you're not good in high pressure situations. Um, that's, that's, that's pretty rough. And isn't that kind of his fault? Yeah. Oh. Well, that's two, <laughs> yeah. it's two parts yeah. to it. Well, you should have trained me, dad. Yeah. Yeah. It's on uh, you. But also, I mean, uh, for, you know, there's one way to look at it, which is maybe he was saying that because he wanted to protect you yeah. because he was worried. And then there's another way, which is more in the dick category, you know, where like your dad's mm. not being, you know, it's like, don't say that. Where do you think that falls? <laughs> Oh, my God. I don't know. I mean, he, he was a volunteer fireman, so he, he kind of knew a little bit about how it all works. It sounds to me like he couldn't hack full time. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Again, on him. Yeah. Um, 
But I, th- I think he did. He was looking out for me in the end. Um, I think so, but too. Me, too. Not me. Yeah. That's just what pushes me, though. When people say I can't do something, then I, oh. I'm done for it. So. Well, guess what, Taylor? I don't think you can rob a bank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, you'll see me on Dateline tomorrow. So, there I go. That's a really fast turnaround really for a Dateline. <laughs> what if you answered the 911 call of you robbing the bank? Yeah. That'd be All fantastic. Better, right? Hey, that's a great idea for a, a terrific oh, bank robber. Oh, it is. A, a bank robber who studies to be a 911 operator, then uh, is wired in, robs the bank. They call 911. He answers the call mm-hmm. as he's robbing the bank and says, we're handling it right now. I'm going to get the cops there any moment now. But he doesn't. <laughs> it's perfect. And that's how he gets away with it every time. Yeah. And the movie's called 912. What? For reasons I don't <laughs> No, yet. We'll, we'll clear this up, and yeah. I hate to waste I your time, Taylor, because you've probably got, he's probably got someone on hold right now. There's a woman giving birth in a taxi oh, cab, and uh, he's, he's with us. So you go to this boot camp, and they probably train you with lots of calls, but then there's your first call where you're on your own. That must have been very memorable. Actually, it wasn't. I don't remember my first call by myself. Um, really? I, I do remember the first call that I shadowed with was a, uh, uh, I, I didn't say or do anything. I was just listening to the person, but it was some guy who po- pulled into a church parking lot and wanted to take a nap. And when he woke up, he just suddenly couldn't see. And so. Wait, we that's the opposite kind of, of what a church should do to you. Yeah. No, you know what? Actually, right. you know what is? That's God saying, there's no parking here. <laughs> God he did that. Punished. Yeah. God, when you fall asleep in a church parking lot, God loses it. He's like, we, you know, that's, those are meant for people attending church. <laughs> and then he takes your sight. He Jeez. sounds like you're Nixon. Uh, yeah. well, <laughs> in a way, Nixon is my God. Oh. <laughs> Best comedy president ever. Uh, so anyway, so. So, that, wow, that's an intense... Did his sight ever come back? That's my next question is, do you get to find out what happened? If you're talking to someone on a 911 call and it's really touch and go, do you find out later on what happened? It's kind of 50-50. With him, I didn't, um, but I didn't follow up with the supervisor. Um, you, we can sometimes find out what happens when we talk to our supervisor, then they talk to the hospital, police chief, fire chief, or whatever, and find out the whole story. Um, sometimes we don't know. It's just either not recorded in the, the narrative of the call and and the supervisor's too busy with something else or something else gets in the way. So it's, it's 50-50. Sometimes we find out, sometimes we don't. Okay. How often um, do you get pranked? Do you get pranked often or are there phone calls that go nowhere? I mean, how? You know, what percentage of the calls are just sort of a dead end for one reason or another? Well, well, not a lot of people know this, but with smartphones nowadays that just have like, you know, you shake your phone because, I don't know, you're angry that the, the Chicago Bears lost again. And then it's like, oh, did you mean to call 911? And, oh. and it calls 911 for you. So, like, probably 75%, I oh would say, of 911 calls are just butt are about the Chicago Bears? Yeah. It's all, it's all someone yeah. going, goddamn bears. <laughs> but it could be someone <laughs> suffering a bear attack. <laughs> what if it's someone who's being attacked by bears and you pick up the in line? In Chicago. Go, yeah. yeah, in Chicago. And you say, <laughs> and they're like, ah, bears. And you say, look, this is, sir, it's a butt dial. We're sorry, the bears lost. You shook your phone. He's like, no, I'm being attacked by bears. Bears. I bet that happens to, it might be 35% of what you think are butt dials. There's a lion in Detroit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm being attacked by a Laker. What? (laughs) 
You went too far. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. Weird. I yeah. 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 Magic Johnson, he's lost his mind. Yeah. He's after me. <laughs> oh, that's. I'm terrified of this pacer. What? <laughs> now you went too far. A 1970s car. Um, oh, you brought it back. I did. Uh. I always win. So, uh, wow, that's that's fantastic. Um, I'm curious. I've never called 911. Uh, that's not true, actually. I did call 911 once when I was on my bike and uh, I saw some sort of kids that seemed like they were in distress and they had taken a whole bunch of mushrooms and were freaking out. And so I told them, just stay where you are. I was in like a oh. you know, rural area on a dirt road. And I said, guys, just hang out right here. And they were not in a good place. So I called 911 and then waited there for, this is a couple of years ago, waited there for... Uh, the um, police to show up. They must have thought they were hallucinating further when they saw you. Yes. Yeah. No, no, they did. And I, as I heard, I stayed a little ways away from them because I, I think even me being present was freaking them out. Uh, I think they thought I was a tall female bird. So anyway, the police show up and I go, yeah, they're over there. They're hanging out in that van. Uh, and <laughs> the, the, the policeman went over there and I heard him say like, yeah, no, no, no. It, it that is Conan. Yeah, it was Conan O'Brien. Yeah, <laughs> I think they they thought that was part of the uh, the trip they were on. Yeah. Oh, wow. But um, is it okay if I try just right now? If I called you, could you be a nine one one your nine one one self, and we could just run through it and see how it goes? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So boop 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 nine one one. What's the city and address of the emergency? Uh, I'm in Los Angeles, uh, California. What was the second part? <laughs> What's the address of the emergency? <laughs> One, two, three, uh, Bigelow Road. Okay, for verification, I need you to repeat the address, please. One, two, three, Bigelow Road, Los Angeles, California. Tell me what the problem is. I was eating this onion. <laughs> And something tasted real weird about it, but it's my last onion, so I just kept chomping it. <laughs> and now I can't feel my feet and I can't feel my hands. Okay. <laughs> are, you, are you standing right now? I'm standing. I think I'm standing. I'm upright, but I can't feel my feet. I think I'm okay, standing. Are you feeling nauseous? No, I actually feel, I've never felt better. My stomach <laughs> feels fantastic. I mean, I would. Have you been I'm, vomiting or puking blood? Uh, no more than usual. <laughs> What's usual? I usually vomit in the morning, uh, twice in the afternoon, and then violently for about an hour at night. So have you vomited since you last ate this onion? No, no. The onion really calmed me down. The onion's been, by the way, mostly terrific. Uh, my stool, I just want to mention my stool is a white gel. And it has little colorful sparkles in it. Oh, are you under the influence of any drugs or alcohol? <laughs> well, that's interesting. No drugs. I don't do drugs. But uh, I had six bottles of Pappy Van Winkle. <laughs> okay, is your door locked? Uh, yes, it's triple locked. It's, it's locked every which way that a door can be locked. And I have a large bolt that I bought from an old French castle, and I slid that across. No one's getting through that fucking door. <laughs> Just so that my paramedics can get to you, I need you to unlock... All, how many did you say? Six? It's, it's like yeah, six locks, but then that big bolt, and I got to get someone to help me. It's going to be half an hour to unlock this door. I'm very paranoid about villagers attacking me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you. By the way, the, onion, somebody, the onion's terrific. Can I keep eating it? It's fantastic. If you believe that's what's making you sick, then I would not keep eating the onion, no. 
Okay. You're, man, you're a real voice of reason. This is terrific. I'm, I'm working on the door right now. Let's see. Unlock, unlock, slide, bolt, okay, if slide. If it's too strenuous for you, then I don't want you to do it. If it's No, it's really not. It's not. No, I'm not feeling bad. My arms are just very, very weak from uh, misuse and disuse. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, there we go. Is All there right. anybody there that can help you with the locks? Uh, my wife's here and uh, my children are here. But they okay. are not interested in Have your in wife help you with the door? She Have refused, your wife no. help you with the door? We, and, I'm not, and she, if your children can, then no. I want you to send your children Fuck away off, down the dance. Yeah, they have a restraining order against me. They are not allowed to approach me and uh, or I them. Uh, we live in separate parts of the house. <laughs> they say that I'm an odd person. Um, and they don't want anything to do with me. Did my, you tell them how you misuse your arms? Shut up, Quigley. <laughs> That's my son, Quigley. Go eat an onion. Yeah. I did. That's the problem. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> All right. Jesus. Later. Okay. Uh, man, um, sorry for those radio show background people. <laughs> Uh, the quality wasn't terrific, but you do what you can. Anyway, I'm starting to feel a lot better. Um, and I think, yep, the onion, I just shit it out. It's a clear, now, it's a, now it's a clear gel. Um, I feel much better, and I think I'm okay. I don't think anyone needs to come. I okay, think I'm, I'm going to let good. my paramedics know that, but they're already on their way, so they may still come to check on you, okay? Well, I do have a gun, and if they come in, I'm firing. <laughs> Uh, it's my it's stand your ground stand your ground. What I love to do is call nine one one and then start firing away the minute someone comes through the door. It's not a good gun. It's an old. Okay. It's an eighteen ten revolver, and it keeps falling apart. But I'm just going to be blasting and a blasting if they come in the door. Okay, okay, Conan. For my paramedic safety and the officers that are now responding, their safety. I need you to put the gun away. Can you do that for me? How'd you know his name? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I never said my name. You're some kind of creep. Uh, call nine one one. Yeah, call the uh, call real nine one one. Most likely, most likely because of the uh, the defecation and the vomiting that you've already had problems with. We probably already have a little bit of record on Mister O'Brien, <laughs> and especially if he calls nine one one and just starts blasting away, that's one hundred percent on record. Yeah, so. <laughs> I have put the gun away. I just I have a large uh, smelting pot here, and I just uh, put the gun in, and it's been melted down, and it's it's just liquid metal now. Um, and some bullets that, oh man, they're exploding. Okay, that was a mistake. I should have taken the bullets out first, but we're good. We're fine now. I apologize for wasting okay, your time. Okay, I need you to get everybody out of the house. If there's explosions going on in the house, I need you to get your wife and children out of the Well, residence. I was fibbing earlier. They left me a long time ago. <laughs> I live alone. In, it's a small walk-up. Uh, my wife took all my money. And um, the divorce proceedings went very quickly, and they gave her everything because they said, I'm a fucking moron, which is the first time a judge has ever said that. Uh, <laughs> Um, but I sense that you're a great 911 operator and you really help me out through this dark time. Do you think we'd ever meet up and have a beer? Oh, okay. You know, this This does happen where... Uh, yeah, oh, I know. That's why I'm asking you. I'm asking you. This is still the 911 call. Still, we're operator, still role-playing. I'm sorry. Operator, can I... Do you th a 911 operator, do you think you and I can ever meet up uh, for some cheesesteaks and a beer? I don't drink, but I'd love a cheesesteak. Terrific. Mm, sounds like a yes to me. Yeah, that yeah. is a yes. Wow. Oh. Very unprofessional. <laughs> that was a test and you failed. I've been shadowing you. <laughs> I work for the government. I have a question, Taylor. 
it seems like 911 like dispatch callers like yourself are always a little dispassionate. Is there a reason for that? That you kind of, I always want them to be a little bit more like some empathy in their voice. Like, I care, I care, I'll, I'll save you. But you guys are always very distanced. There must be a reason. Yes, I actually hate people. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> it's really, it's, and, and we get this a lot when I tell when family and friends say, oh, I had to call 911 and the person was so rude. It, it's really just because it's time sensitive and we kind of need to interrupt the person to get the right information, to get the address and things like that. Mm, if yep. it, and, and really, if, if somebody's just having a bowel movement like Conan, then uh, if, if they're really in a lot of pain, then, yeah, we might take some time to be more empathetic. But for, for more, I don't know, like suicidal callers or, or things that are more high, uh, I don't know, high of importance, we'll, we'll definitely take the time to be like, listen, I understand you're going through a tough time. I hear you. I know this is difficult, yeah. uh, but it's really when it comes to the time sensitive information, we need that right away. And, and then we can work on empathy later. And for Conan, uh, I don't know, he sounded like a miserable human being. So I might've just let him die. <laughs> Taylor, I admire your professionalism. You, you, I've had many a 911 operator tell me, just go die. Your, your time on this planet is, is hurting everyone. Um, that is, uh, I am curious uh, to get serious for a second, but you, I imagine you do handle uh, 911. On your 911 calls, I imagine you do handle uh, people who are suicidal and probably specially uh, trained to handle that, which is, it's, yeah. it's, it's um, a good thing. I mean, I would like to point out to people that are listening right now, we're having a lot of fun and it's, but that's a real resource for people that are in pain. They should uh, remember you can call 911 if you're really feeling that things are getting dark and then you're in a bad place and you might hurt yourself. You should call 911. That's a great idea. Absolutely. And we are, we're trained professionals. We are 100% here for people to, to help them know that it went, for me personally, when somebody's having a suicidal episode mm -hmm. or, uh, or going through something traumatic, this is just my personal opinion, but I, I think that they don't necessarily want to kill themselves. They just want whatever they're going through to be over. Yep. And they think mm -hmm. that the death is, is the answer to that. And it's not. Life is worth living. Yep. You, things get better. You can grow from hard experiences and, and keep, keep going. And, and that's one of the things that, that I tell people when they call in is like, you know, this is difficult what you're going through. It's real and it's hard. But death is not what you want. Right. You, you, and I, you want to get through this. You want to get stronger. You want to be happier. Yeah. I, I think that is a terrific message. And just everyone remember out there, because there are a lot of people that struggle. And this is very important to me. Remember that you can, uh, you, if you're feeling anything like that, you can call 911 and, and get help. And it's really worth doing that, because what you're feeling is temporary. And a permanent solution to a temporary problem is not the way to go. So, Taylor, this was great. It was really fun, really funny, and I do think what you do is extremely important. We had a lot of fun, but I think it's cool that you're out there helping people. Thank you. I've always, I think the reason I wanted to maybe get into fire duty initially is because I grew up around kind of superhero culture and the idea of doing good and stopping evil has always been what I wanted to do. And so the fact that I get to do that from the comfort 
uh, of a desk and not where fires are or bullets are flying is amazing and I, yeah. I love it. It's my favorite job ever. Mm. That's awesome. so interesting. It's very cool and uh, we're very uh, alike in some ways but you pursued good and uh, I have to say I pursued evil. <laughs> and I love you. We're out there. We're going to be battling each other for the rest of our lives but I'm, I'm glad to know that you're a, you're a worthy adversary, Taylor. And, uh, and thank you. Thank you so much for calling in. That's very cool. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, All right. Taylor. Take care, Taylor. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye. Conan O'Brien needs a fan. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solateroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Music by Jimmy Vivino. Supervising producer, Aaron Blaird. Associate talent producer, Jennifer Samples. Associate producers, Sean Doherty and Lisa Berm. Engineered by Will Beckton. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Stitcher.